Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. O'Henry, real name William Sidney Porter, was a prolific writer known best for his short stories, Gift of the Magi and The Ransom of Red Chief, both of which you can find in our archives. Most of O'Henry's stories, and this one is no exception, are set in his own time, the early 20th century. O'Henry's work is wide-ranging, and his characters can be found roaming the Catalans of Texas, exploring the art of the con man, or investigating the tensions of class and wealth in turn-of-the-century New York. This story joins a company of Texas Rangers as they welcome a new member named Jimmy Hayes around the campfire. And now, our story, Jimmy Hayes and Muriel, by O'Henry. Supper was over, and there had fallen upon the camp the silence that accompanies the rolling of corn husk cigarettes. The waterhole shone from the dark earth like a patch of fallen sky. Coyotes yelped. Dull thumps indicated the rocking horse movements of the hobbled ponies as they moved to fresh grass. A half-troop of the Frontier Battalion of Texas Rangers were distributed about the fire. A well-known sound, the fluttering and scraping of chaparral against wooden stirrups, came from the thick brush above the camp. The Rangers listened cautiously. They heard a loud and cheerful voice call out reassuringly. Brace up, Muriel, old girl. We're most there now. Been a long ride for you, ain't it? You old antiluvian handful of animated carpet tacks. Hey now, quit a trying to kiss me. Don't hold on to my neck so tight. This here paint hoss any too sure-footed, let me tell you. He's liable to dump us both off if we don't watch out. Two minutes of waiting brought a tired paint pony single-footing into camp. A gangling youth of twenty lolled in the saddle. Of the Muriel whom he had been addressing, nothing was to be seen. "'Hi, fellas,' shouted the rider cheerfully. "'This here is a letter for Lieutenant Manning.' He dismounted, unsaddled, dropped the coils of his stake rope, and got his hobbies from the saddle horn. While Lieutenant Manning, in command, was reading the letter, the newcomer rubbed solicitously at some dried mud in the loops of the hobbles, showing a consideration for the forelegs of his mount. "'Boys,' said the lieutenant, waving his hand to the rangers, "'this is Mr. James Hayes. He's a new member of the company. Captain McLean sends him down from El Paso. "'The boys will see that you have some supper, Hayes, as soon as you get your pony hobbled.' The recruit was received cordially by the rangers. Still, they observed him shrewdly and with suspended judgment. 
Picking a comrade on the border is done with ten times the care and discretion with which a girl chooses a sweetheart. On your sidekicker's nerve, loyalty, aim, and coolness, your own life may depend many times. After a hearty supper, Hayes joined the smokers about the fire. His appearance did not settle all the questions in the mind of his brother rangers. They saw simply a loose, lank youth with tow-colored, sunburned hair and berry brown, ingenuous face that wore a quizzical, good-natured smile. Fellas, said the new ranger, I'm going to introduce you to a lady friend of mine. Ain't ever heard anybody call her a beauty, but you'll all admit she's got some fine points about her. Come along, Muriel. He held open the front of his blue flannel shirt. Out of it crawled a horned frog. A bright red ribbon was tied jauntily around his spiky neck. It crawled to his owner's knee and sat there, motionless. This here Muriel, said Hayes, with an oratorical wave of his hand, has got qualities. She never talks back. She always stays at home, and she's satisfied with one red dress for every day, and Sunday too. Look at that blamed insect, said one of the rangers with a grin. I've seen plenty of them horny frogs, but I never knew anybody to have one for a side partner. Does the blame thing know you from somebody else? Take it over there and see, said Hayes. The stumpy little lizard known as the horned frog is harmless. He has the hideousness of the prehistoric monsters whose reduced descendant he is, but he's gentler than the dove. The ranger took Muriel from Hayes' knee and went back to his seat on a roll of blankets. The captive twisted and clawed and struggled vigorously in his hand. After holding it for a moment or two, the ranger set it upon the ground. Awkwardly but swiftly, the frog worked its four oddly moving legs until it stopped close by Hayes' foot. Well, dang my hide, said the other ranger. The little cuss knows you. Never thought them insects had much sense. Jimmy Hayes became a favorite in the ranger camp. He had an endless store of good nature and a mild perennial quality of humor that is well adapted to camp life. He was never without his horned frog. In the bosom of his shirt during rides, or on his knee or shoulder in camp, or under his blankets at night, the ugly little beast had never left him. Jimmy was a humorist of a type that prevails in the rural south and west. Unskilled in originating methods of amusing, or in witty conceptions, he had hit upon a comical idea, and clung to it reverently. It had seemed to Jimmy a very funny thing to have about his person, with which to amuse his friends, a tamed horn frog with a red ribbon around its neck. As it was a happy idea, why not perpetuate it? The sentiments existing between Jimmy and the frog cannot exactly be determined. The capability of the horned frog for lasting affection is a subject upon which we have had no symposiums. It is easier to guess Jimmy's feelings. Muriel was his chef aux d'oeuvre of wit, and as such he cherished her. He caught flies for her and shielded her from sudden northers. Yet his care was half selfish, and when the time came she repaid him a thousandfold. Other Muriels have thus overbalanced the light attentions of other Jimmies. Not at once did Jimmy Hayes attain full brotherhood with his comrades. They loved him for his simplicity and drollness, but there hung above him a great sword of suspended judgment. To make merry in camp is not all of a ranger's life. 
There are horse thieves to trail, desperate criminals to run down, bravos to battle with, bandits to rout out of the chaparral, peace in order to be compelled at the muzzle of a six-shooter. Jimmy had been most generally a cowpuncher, he said. He was inexperienced in ranger methods of warfare. Therefore, the ranger speculated apart and solemnly as to how he would stand fire. For let it be known, the honor and pride of each ranger company is the individual bravery of its members. For two months, the border was quiet. The rangers lolled listless in camp. And then, bringing joy to the rustling guardians of the frontier, Sebastiano Saldar, an eminent Mexican desperado and cattle thief, crossed the Rio Grande with his gang and began to lay waste the Texas countryside. There were indications that Jimmy Hayes would soon have the opportunity to show his mettle. The rangers patrolled with alacrity, but Saldar's men were mounted like Lockenbar and were hard to catch. One evening about sundown, the rangers halted for supper after a long ride. Their horses stood panting with their saddles on. The men were frying bacon and boiling coffee. Suddenly, out of the brush, Sebastiano Saldar and his gang dashed upon them with blazing six-shooters and high-voiced yells. It was a neat surprise. The rangers swore in annoyed tones and got their Winchesters busy, but the attack was only a spectacular dash of the purest Mexican type. After the florid demonstration, the raiders galloped away, yelling, down the river. The rangers mounted and pursued, but in less than two miles, the fagged ponies labored so that Lieutenant Manning gave the word to abandon the chase and return to the camp. Then it was discovered that Jimmy Hayes was missing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Someone remembered having seen him run for his pony when the attack began, but no one had set eyes on him since. Morning came, but no Jimmy. They searched the country around on the theory that he had been killed or wounded, but without success. Then they followed after Saldar's gang, but it seemed to have disappeared. Manning concluded that the wily Mexican had recrossed the river after his theatric farewell, and indeed no further depredations from him were reported. This gave the rangers time to nurse a soreness they had. As has been said, the pride and honor of the company is the individual bravery of its members. And now they believed that Jimmy Hayes had turned coward at the whiz of Mexican bullets. There was no other deduction. Buck Davis pointed out that not a shot was fired by Saldar's gang after Jimmy was seen running for his horse. There was no way for him to have been shot. Nah, he had fled from his first fight and afterward he would not return, aware that the scorn of his comrades would be a worse thing to face than the muzzles of rifles. So Manning's detachment of McLean's company, Frontier Battalion, was gloomy. It was the first blot on its escutcheon. Never before in the history of the service had a ranger shown the white feather. All of them had liked Jimmy Hayes, and that made it worse. Days, weeks, and months went by, and still that little cloud of unforgotten cowardice hung above the camp. 
nearly a year afterward, after many camping grounds and many hundreds of miles guarded and defended, Lieutenant Manning, with almost the same detachment of men, was sent to a point only a few miles below their old camp on the river to look after some smuggling there. One afternoon, while they were riding through a dense mesquite flat, they came upon a patch of open hogwallow prairie. There they rode upon the scene of an unwritten tragedy. In a big hog wallow lay the skeletons of three Mexicans. Their clothing alone served to identify them. The largest of the figures had once been Sebastiano Saldar. His great, costly sombrero, heavy with gold ornamentation, a hat famous all along the Rio Grande, lay there pierced by three bullets. Along the ridge of the hog wallow rested the rusting Winchesters of the Mexicans, all pointing in the same direction. The rangers rode in that direction for fifty yards. There, in a little depression of the ground, with his rifle still bearing upon the three, lay another skeleton. It had been a battle of extermination. There was nothing to identify the solitary defender. His clothing, such as the elements had left distinguishable, seemed to be of the kind that any ranchman or cowboy might have worn. Some cowpuncher, said Manning, that they caught out alone. Good boy, he put up a dandy scrap before they got him. So that's why we didn't hear from Don Sebastiano anymore. And then, from beneath the weather-beaten rags of the dead man, there wriggled out a horned frog with a faded red ribbon around its neck and sat upon the shoulder of its long, quiet master. Mutely, it told the story of the untried youth and the swift paint pony, how they had outstripped all their comrades that day in the pursuit of the Mexican raiders, and how the boy had gone down upholding the honor of the company. The ranger troop herded close, and a simultaneous wild yell arose from their lips. The outburst was at once a dirge, an apology, an epitaph, and a paean of triumph. A strange requiem, you may say, over the body of a fallen comrade, but if Jimmy Hayes could have heard it, he would have understood. Thanks for joining us today at 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. We've been enjoying your reviews at Apple iTunes and at our email address at 1001storiespodcast at gmail.com. And here are a few recent ones for you. We Can't Get Enough by Miss Ang. Rating five stars. We love all the 1001 podcasts. John is a joy to listen to. All the episodes are informative and fun. And this one by Patrick McMick. Awesome topics, stories, and information. Thank you for the great stories. And this one by Celix22. Most enjoyable. I've been enjoying some of my favorite stories long forgotten. Thank you. And this one by Steve64. History made interesting. Thanks, John, for a great show. You do an amazing job. I look forward to every new episode. Thanks so much to all of you for being a part of 1001. I wanted you to know that we will be offering a 1001 app soon that's going to have all our episodes from all our shows on it, including a new History Today daily update. So stay tuned for this. I'll let you know as soon as it's ready. Have a great day. See you next week. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, and this is our story.
Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.